Much study is wearisome, but the simple truths of God are like well-driven nails. Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. Solomon is saying that God's Word is the final answer to life, not man's books. One person put it this way, neglect your business and become bankrupt. Neglect your field and have no harvest. Neglect your soul and be damned. How are you doing spiritually? Are you caring for your soul? Do you get into the Word of God? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's plenty of so-called self-help books lining bookstore shelves containing someone's perspective on everything from Freakonomics to health and wellness. However, the book of Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And coming up, Pastor Xavier turns to the simple truth found in the book of Ecclesiastes, where he discovered much about how little there is to be gained from the wisdom of man compared to the omniscience of the one who wrote the book of life. Let's listen. Solomon has come to the end of his book, his experiment to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun by man in order to teach that the things that man promises do not bring satisfaction, and fulfillment in life. He has searched high and low through science, pleasure, wine, building feats, women, money, morality. They've all come short. Therefore, Solomon has warned the young person to remember his and her creator in the days of their youth. Lest they come to old age without knowing God and spend it in bitter frustration and perish eternally. Let me read for you. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails, given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. The very purpose of the book that is obvious through the entire book is that life is vanity, emptiness, and any experience apart from God. But here at the end, he gives us three things that are very specifically declared for the purpose of the book. First, to teach God's Word, verse 9 and 10. Secondly, to teach God's word effectively, verses 11 and 12, in order to bring God's people to do the will of God. Listen to the phrase, the words of the wise are like goads. You say, what the heck are goads? The wise, in this case, is Solomon, the preacher, 
whose words are like goats, which were sharp nails that were used for the ox when they would kick their hind legs in rebellion to plowing. And so every time the ox would kick back to the farmer, there would be a sharp nail and he would hit it and it would bring pain to him. Now, the words of God are like goats to you and myself. They bring pain to our life if we are rebellious and fight against God. The sooner we learn that obedience and submission will only bring God's care for us, the better off we will be. Solomon, in view of his failure, now warns lovingly and authoritatively out of love in order that men not lose out on life as he did. All that we may learn from one another's life, that we may learn from others as we go the same way. I've often attempted to teach my children by people's failures as they've grown up in ministry with me. They've had the privilege of being Christians all their life by their own decision, being raised in a godly home. Yet, when I've done that, I haven't done it to put other people down or to exalt them, but to warn them. Learn both from the positive and the negative because you are no exception. Notice the preacher's purpose in teaching the Word of God effectively was in order to teach his own son. There's a personal motive here. The reference to my son in verse 12 is to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Rehoboam was to be admonished by the book of Ecclesiastes. The word admonish means to be warned. The admonishments are in regards to what? Seeking satisfaction and fulfillment in life in the things and experiences apart from God as he did. Rehoboam, unfortunately, did not pay heed to his father Solomon. Rehoboam succeeded Solomon in 1 Kings 12, 1, we, uh, it's recorded. And Rehoboam was not the wisest because when he came to the throne, Solomon had laid a heavy burden and a big workforce to build the temple and his house and everything else. You know, the whole record with Hiram and everything else. And so the people were asking for relief. The old men... His father's counselors came and said, Listen, Rehoboam, your father was a great king. The people loved him. But he did overtax them a little bit, both in money and service. And uh, it would be good for you to give them some relief, and they will love you and serve you forever. The young men were sought out by Rehoboam, and they said, Ah, this guy's a bunch of whiners, man. You give him an inch, he'll want a mile. You just tell them that if they don't lighten up, you're going to be worse than your father. So... Rehoboam took the counsel of the young men and he says, listen, my father was a little finger. <laughs> I'm going to be like a waste to you, a scorpion. And so Jeroboam and all Israel says, what do we have to do with the house of Solomon or David? And civil war came and division came and Rehoboam took ten tribes and went to the north with the calf worship known as Israel, the northern kingdom. And Rehoboam was the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, divided because of no wisdom. He didn't pay heed. He didn't learn or take the warnings. Rehoboam was to know also that books written by men are many, and there's no end of them. Amen? <laughs> Solomon is not speaking against knowledge or learning such as math, English, science, 
engineering, medicine. Solomon is warning about getting so involved in the wisdom of man at the expense or instead of God's wisdom and in fact be one who is opposed to the truth of God's word. God's word is the sifter for all truth. God's word is not a book of medicine. It's not an engineering book. But there are principles. There are precepts that affect integrity, morality, ethics, honor of God. And we need to apply them. Solomon is saying that God's word is the final answer to life, not man's books. That's important. Do you value man's wisdom and education above God? One person put it this way. Neglect your business and become bankrupt. Neglect your field and have no harvest. Neglect your soul and be damned. How are you doing spiritually? Are you caring for your soul? Do you get into the word of God? The prayer of every parent is that their children walk with God in truth throughout life in order that they might glorify God and receive the benefit and enjoyments of life. There is nothing more that I desire in my life and I tell my children that they walk with God. They have to make a living, they have to live, and they need to prepare themselves. But if they make a million dollars and don't walk with God, it would break my heart. If they're successful in whatever they do, but they don't walk with God, it would break my heart. If they walk with God, then they will get the best of life, whether they ever make a million dollars or not. It doesn't make any difference. And so John says in 3 John 4 that he says he had no greater pleasure than to see that his children were walking in the truth. No greater joy. And so the purpose of the preacher was to teach God's word effectively. So you see, it's not enough just to teach God's word, but are you doing it effectively? This is important. You know, it's not something you just pull out of your hat. You have to give some time, some thought, prayer, diligence. That's what God desires. But not only in my life, yours. You have to teach your children, others. You fit somewhere in the body of Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of the preacher was to teach God's word effectively. Third and last, the purpose of the preacher was to teach the duty of man regarding God's word. Verses 13 and 14. First of all, Solomon concludes that the whole duty of man is, here it is, to fear God. Out of all his search, here's the one purpose of writing the book, to fear God. The word fear means reverence as well as terror. It's used 314 times in the Old Testament. And the idea is to stand in awe of God as he who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present in contrast to man. You're in awe of him. You, whoa, you're taken back. The idea also is that of worship out of love and respect in view of God's grace, his mercy, and his love. So the word fear has both the terror and the reverence in it. Fear of a person or consequences alone is not enough to restrain a person 
nor is it the highest or purest motivation for obedience, as love is. In fact, often fear can tempt us to disobey or do evil as a challenge to see if we can get away with it, right? Remember? <laughs> the most powerful and the highest and the purest motivation is love. The commentary of John Wesley is uh, valuable at this point. Listen to him. The reference to the conclusion, he says, is the sum of all that has been said or written by wise men. Out of everything you ever read, here's the conclusion. You can't get better than this. Fear God. The reference to the fear of God, which is put here, is for all the inward worship of God, reverence and love and trust and a devotedness of heart to serve and please Him. And thirdly, he says, the reference to the whole matter is His whole work and business, His whole perfection and happiness. It is the sum of what, is, what He need, either know or do or enjoy. And notice, secondly, Solomon concludes that the whole duty of man is what? To keep God's commandments. The foundation is fear God. The result, you obey His commandments. You keep them. The commandments of God deal with two things. Man's relationship with God, that's the first table of the law. And then second, man's relationship to man, the second table of the law. The first is the foundation and the source for the second Jesus affirms this as the lawyer says, which is the greatest of commandments? He says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbors yourself. In these two lie all the commandments. The law and the prophets are built. Notice the commandments as laws only point to our guilt. They do not, nor can they, justify us. Never. There is no person who keeps the Ten Commandments perfectly, nor at all times. None. There is no person who is good in the sense of deserving salvation by what they do or what they have done. No one. The commandments of God are for men's good. First, to enjoy God. Secondly, to enjoy man. Thirdly, to enjoy life. That's what they're for. Not to restrain us. Not to tie us down. But to let us live. Notice thirdly here that Solomon concludes that the reason for the whole duty of man, which is to fear God and keep his commandments, is that God will judge every person in the world. Every person who has ever lived will be judged by God. Every person without exception. God will bring every work into judgment, he says. The believer is judged at the bema seat of Christ, which is the judgment of the believer with Christ. The basis of that judgment is motive of the heart. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. The bema seat is found in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15, and 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 9 and 10. The non-believer is also a judge, but he's judged at the white throne judgment a thousand years after Jesus sets up the kingdom. The white throne judgment will judge all the works of man, yet any good works that a person has done who has rejected Christ, he will never be rewarded for. Now, we've already established 
many times that man has a potential for good, but is bent towards evil. So if you reject Jesus Christ and you die without Jesus Christ and you've been a good neighbor, Sam, one of these philanthropists, you know, you donate money, you help out this, you do all kinds of stuff, but you rejected Christ and you die. When you're judged at the white throne judgment, you will be judged for your evil deeds. You will not even get any reward for your good. And yet, at the white throne judgment, when men are condemned and women are condemned and cast in the lake of fire, there will be various degrees of punishment, even as there are various degrees of reward on the saints' side. To those that much is given, much is required. God's judgment is always based on the measure of light you have received and what you have done regarding that light. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For of the works that have been done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented long ago. Woe. When the Bible says woe, he's not riding a horse. It's judgment. Judgment. Woe. Responsibility. Accountability. It's one of the most awesome words in the scriptures. You can find that white throne judgment in Revelations 20, verse 11 through 15. Notice also, secondly, he says, God will bring every secret thing to light. The reference to good and evil must be directed to the believer. For as we have already said, non-believers do not get rewarded for the good they have done. And 2 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10 says that we will stand before the beam of seat of Christ and we will receive what we have done in our bodies, good or evil. Okay? Now, you already know that even if we lose all reward, we're saving those by fire because we're saved by grace through faith, right? But God wants us to do the things for the right motive and to get reward. But we will all be judged for everything we've done in Christ, not our past sins. But in Christ, we will be judged accordingly. The Bible says that every idle word, wrong motive, and secret thing will be revealed as evidence of the evil heart of man. Matthew 12, 36 to 37. Nothing will be hid. Now, maybe perhaps you've heard at times sermons where God's going to, you know, get one of these big screens from Paul's TV and judge you and, and, and just flash it on everybody. And they're going to just bring you up front and say, oh, okay, here we go, John. Ooh. You know, no. If, if God has been so personal with you, let me, let me put it this way. Um, when you've blown it, and you've blown it royally just like I have, how has God dealt with you? Has he first called your wife or your husband and said, come here. I'm going to show you what this gum bucket did. Come here. Uh -uh. Has he told your neighbors? Has he told your pastor? No, he's gone right to you. And he has chastened you. He has convicted you. And if you repented, he's been gracious to you. If God has been so personal and so gracious here, do you think he's going to be any less there? I don't think so. But you and he will know what you've missed out. But we'll be in a whole different state so don't think that you're going to be all bummed out and you're going to spend eternity in the corner going, oh, no. We will know as we are known, but we're not going to have the same response that we do right now when we think about what we're going to think about. It's a whole different thing. But you and I and God will know about each other. And we'll know what we've blown it and why we blew it. 
but it's not going to bum us out. No more tears, no more sorrows, no more pain. So we can't even speculate about that. But we'll know. The greatest need is not more knowledge, but rather to put into practice what we already know. That's our need. What some of you need to do is to live out what you know. That doesn't mean that you don't need to come anymore. You better come or you get yourself in trouble. But you need to live out what you know. The people of our nation as well as once in the church have lost all sense of understanding what the fear of God means if we examine the scriptures. Let me give you some of the scriptures on fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. What a, what a picture of today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One, understanding. Proverbs 9, 10. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 3, 7. I look at the church, people don't depart from evil. They don't know the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and an evil way and the perverse mouth I hate, Proverbs 8.13. People do not hate evil, even in the church today. Some of you are going to X-rated movies. Some of you are into stuff that you have no business doing. Some of you are committing fornication constantly. Some of you are committing adultery. You don't fear God. Your life is an example of that. The fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and the children will have place of refuge, Proverbs 14, 26. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility, Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction, Proverbs 19, 23. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the days, Proverbs 23, 17. One more. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved, Proverbs 29, 25. You fear God? I hope so. The thing that God desires most of all for you and myself is obedience. 1 Samuel 15, 22. To obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams, right? Because rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. The keeping of the commandments encompasses the whole revelation of God. Don't be a smorgasbord Christian. Cover to cover. The keeping of God's word has to do with attitudes more than doing. Like our children, Remember? The agreement with God means that I stand by his word and that I agree with his word. I confess my downfalls. I acknowledge them. I repent. And when I can, I make restitution so that I can agree with God and walk with him. Amos 3.3. 3. God will judge according to truth. Romans 2.2 2 says. God will uh, render to every man according to his deeds. Romans 2.6 says. God will have no partiality. Romans 2.11 says. And God will judge the secrets of man's heart by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. Romans 2.16 says. Well, are you ready for judgment? Are you in Christ or in yourself? The purpose of the preacher was to teach the duty of man regarding God's word. So Solomon the preacher has concluded his book by revealing his purpose in writing the book of Ecclesiastes. Three simple statements to teach God's word. Secondly, to teach God's word effectively. And thirdly, to teach the duty of man regarding God's word. How are you doing in God's Word? Is it in you? Are you being a doer of it? Then you'll fear God and keep His commandments.
Pastor Xavier Reese with a fitting close to our series in Ecclesiastes, proclaiming the end to Solomon's search for meaning in life, ending in the pages of the very scripture we are privileged to have before us even today. And you can hear this message again anytime through the radio listings link you'll find by logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Today's study is titled The Wise Preacher and is also available on CD for just $4. Everything we shared last time will be included as well, so it makes a convenient way to study the message more in depth and at your own pace. That title to ask for once more is The Wise Preacher, or you can simply mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us monitor the effectiveness of our broadcast ministry. And then join us next time right here for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com